Parked Up. Powered by Race Fuels. Alright, here we go. Let's get stuck in to episode number 15 of Parked Up. Coming to you by Race Fuels. That's right. Parked Up. We're still, we're not, are we still parked up? We're well, going to we're away. We're going to call it parked up, but we're racing. There's some race cars going on, Tony D. Amazing. Absolutely. And uh, I spent all weekend on the couch watching the racing. I was so excited to see the V8s back at Sydney Motorsport Park. So you watched practice? Absolutely. Literally, I watched every session. So anything you need to know, Grant, I can tell you because... Excellent. Uh, a little birdie told me that you fell asleep during yesterday's race. Yeah. Big weekend? No, no. Pretty quiet, actually. I was just feeling a little uh, little under the weather, and um, my poor wife, dear, was um, worried that I'd had all of the COVIDs coming no. coming through me. But um, I don't know. I was just uh, not, not feeling it. But damn, it was good racing now. Oh. I couldn't get that excited about practice <laughs> practice sessions. I didn't uh, I didn't watch much of the practice, but I did find myself uh, using my Foxtel remote to rewind through just to see to see what was what mm. and how they filled in those big gaps in the broadcast. But it all went uh, for me went really well, and the motor racing fans were obviously really really into it as well. Mm. I saw the ratings. Okay. We're probably standard for uh, you know what we would have seen seen last year. It wasn't like what we'd seen in AFL and NRL when it came back after the the hibernation. There was a big spike in those mm. first rounds. We didn't really see that big spike, but you know I think everyone's starting to come around to mm. the new way of thinking or the, the 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 new world that we have to live in. But look, I thought it was. Uh, I thought the racing was sensational. What do you think? Oh, I absolutely agree. And I think anybody that complains about V8 supercars being boring and the racing not exciting, they honestly, they mustn't be watching the same race that I'm watching because, you know, obviously a lot of changes going into the, that weekend with not enough tyres for everybody. And if you listen to the broadcast, there was so much talk about strategy on tyres that, you know, I was sort of over that side of it, to be honest. You know, changes to personnel, so not as many people allowed at the event. Uh, less people changing tyres at the pit stops. Obviously, no crowd. And I think, you know, supercars or, or car racing in general can get away with not having the crowd, then it doesn't detract from the racing. Whereas you watch AFL, and it t- detracts from the game not having the crowd yeah. in the background. And motorsport d- d- isn't affected by that. So... Uh, the racing was really, really hot at the front, and one thing that really impressed me was how quickly all the drivers got back into the swing of things. Uh, you know, they'd had three months off. No one's been doing any driving other than online or maybe a little bit of karting in the last week or so. And that first practice session, they were just straight back into it, doing lap times that they would have done uh, if they were doing week after week racing. So that was really impressive to see, and especially to think. You know, supercars haven't been to Sydney Motorsport Park for a little while, and we've got a new damper, there's new aero for the Mustang. Mustang never been there. there all these changes, no data on the weekend. And Scotty Mack, he did a lap time in Quali on Sunday that was like a couple of hundredths off what he did in the FGX, which is a lap record around there. So tell you what, they, they weren't mucking around. Mm. No, the the show was uh, the show was exceptional, and really a little bit of a shame that not as many people were watching it as maybe we had all hoped. You know, there's so much effort has gone into to get the show back going and mm. to 
Um, I don't think it matters, though, to be honest. The show's going, the wheels are turning, we're back racing, and I thought it, it couldn't have gone any better, to be honest. I thought the, the racing was excellent. It was fierce. No one was shunting like we thought they might have because of the online <laughs> racing. And I saw a tweet from our mate Mark Walker, and he said, drivers, the damage is turned on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, that was good. Yep, he so nailed that. that. That was quite funny. And yeah, But no one you know, retired from damage or anything like that or big shunts. So I did notice the last race there was, the, from the bits that I did see, although I did <laughs> I did rewatch it, but there was a little bit more rubbing as yeah. the weekend went on. For sure. A little bit more rubbing. For sure. I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of passing because of the different tyre strategies. Tyres. That's the reason why that event works so well. We've seen so many races at Sydney Motorsport Park those longer 200-kilometre races are just a snore. Yeah. And that's not to say that the category is boring. Like, you can just listen and watch one of those cars roar around the track and you can be entertained. Yep. But they actually produce some really good racing mm. based on those tyre restrictions or just the tyre regulations yeah, yeah. that they had in place. Yeah, basically not enough tyres for the weekend, so to speak. Generally... Every time they'd have a pit stop in the past, they'd be able to have the opportunity to have four new tyres to put on. But this time round, you didn't have enough, so you had to decide when you wanted to spend what you had. Some people were doing two tyres, some doing four. If they're having a great race, they'd throw four on and try and get a result, and knowing that it would hurt them for the next one. And you know, some people played the game a lot better than others. Some tried to be sort of average over the whole weekend and didn't really shine that much, but probably took a lot of points home. So it was interesting to see how that sort of rolled out. And Nick Perkett, the perfect example of that. Now, I know he had lots of pace, qualified really well, but stuck everything on the line in that second race as well. He, he had a lot of pace, though. Like in race one, he was the first finisher, which was P5, that only put two tyres in the, on the, in the race. So... It meant that he was really strong for Sunday, but he, he already had a quick car anyway. It wasn't like he was 20th and he was banking on putting all his eggs in one basket for one race. He was at the front, but awesome to see them get a result. And you know, we spoke to Nick only a few weeks ago and we did sort of allude to some of these changes suiting Brad Jones Racing and Nick with his experience within the category. And you know, it, it just shows the cream does rise to the top and even with all these changes, we saw a lot of familiar faces at the front of the grid, and we saw a few surprises as well, which I thought was excellent there. We also had Lee Holdsworth have a really good race in race three, get himself up into P2. So I thought that was that was awesome. Todd Hazelwood, he was on for a really strong result in race three, had a sway bar break, I believe. So that sort of hindered his progress, but still I think finished you know, somewhere between fifth and 10th there. I sort of lost track at the end there, but... Really, uh, it, was, it was just good to see some people that you probably wouldn't expect to be have that chance of winning a race just yet get that opportunity for their sponsors and teams and everything. So yep. very good, very good. Yeah, and I think that's where the, this new tyre thing will, will be a huge benefit to give some people that option of putting it all on the line for one yep. race, save it all up for for a big stab at it. Um, in later today, in today's show, we're going to speak to Cam Waters, 
who was like Nick Perkapp, was really, really competitive. Didn't quite have what it was going to take to challenge Scotty Mack or Jamie Winkup, but was certainly in a chance to finish on a podium pretty much in every race. And he'd saved his tyres all for the last race, but ended right. up having that bit of a clash with with Reynolds as well. So, yeah, so it'll be good to uh, talk to Cam. He's on the fringe of competing against the likes of McLaughlin and Winkup and Van Giz. But, yeah, just uh, just things didn't go his way. And, uh, yeah, look, but hopefully these the tyre regulations do allow some extra random mm. podium finishes. Not random, surprise podium finishes. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, and it's not the first time that we've tried this in supercars having different compounds at your disposal over the weekend and you work out when you're going to use them so it's not new but i think the way they've done it where you literally don't have enough tires is slightly different to what they had before they had the hard or soft option and most people you know once they did a round or so they worked out what the best strategy was over a weekend and then it all sort of normalized again so it, but the, the thing with this is with having not enough tyres, it will really depend on what track you're at. at the, on the weekend at Sydney Motorsport Park, right-hand side cops it massively. So you, you would have seen a lot of drivers putting uh, right-hand side only on, trying that scenario. Um, you definitely wouldn't try just rears because it hurts the front too much. And you definitely wouldn't put just fronts on because you, you'd have no rear grip. So... Um, but the best strategy was four tyres, there's no doubt about it. You lose a little bit in the pits, but over the stint, like, the guys were just absolutely hauling ass. So, yep. so what, what, do, what does everyone do when it comes to Winton in a couple of weeks? Well, Winton traditionally isn't as hard on tyres. The, the corners are a lot shorter than Sydney Motorsport Park. You're, Sydney, you're in the corner a long time, and it just kills the tyre, same as Phillip Island. But Winton being short, sharp corners, you won't see the tyre degradation that you did last weekend. So tyre strategy probably won't play as much of a role in it. And you probably could get away with just putting rears on the car because you've got probably fairly equal right to left corners that you need drive off the corner. So yeah, like I said, it is going to be track dependent on how you how you use your tyres. And everyone's going to get a bit of insight now into what worked and what didn't. Great. Okay. Well, uh, we've got a, uh, a cool show. Yep. Episode number 15. And we're going to talk to Cam Waters, as I just said. Uh, we're also going to talk to Greg Rust. He is the lead commentator for the TCR Australia series, and he'll also be part of the Australian Racing Group's broadcasting. He's been involved in supercars for a long time. He's been calling the shots in this racing world for a long, long time. He also runs his own podcast and his own media business as well. So uh, living in New Zealand at the moment, um, he actually went and watched some go-karts on the weekend. He's been starved of his racing mm. just like us. So it'll be nice to talk to him. Uh, we've also got a little bit of news to look at, Tony. So let's do that. Okay. So leading the news, Tony D, we actually had some race cars going around and we've got some real racing to talk about Scott McLaughlin is the man of the moment. First, third and first over the three races. And for me, just seems a little ahead of the game at the moment, do you agree? Without a doubt, you know, you take all these senses away, you make it harder for everybody and still the same guys get to the top and they're obviously there for a reason. 
the shell cars were fast. Fabs was up there in quali, didn't have the luck in the racing, but Scotty had a very good weekend and just came out straight away at the front of the field. So that was a really good sign for the championship. And I just felt like he raced really well considering the pressure he was under in the first race from Van Gisbergen coming at him really hard on a better set of tyres. He didn't make any errors and, you know, Shane got to him with about five laps to go and he was able to position the car in a way that made it really difficult for Shane to get an opportunity to come past. He got beaten up a little bit in race two, still managed though to come back to third and then race three, he, you know, he basically disappeared into the distance and uh, Lee came at him at the end, but not really that serious. So he sort of had the goods on everybody, you know, in qualifying a couple of tenths down the road from the next guy. So really impressive that he can come out and do a shootout laps when he hasn't been doing that for three months, hasn't been practicing it whatsoever. So, yep, he, he's lost some weight. He's fitter and leaner than ever before. And you can see he's really focused on trying to get this third championship. I've taken the opposite strategy over this COVID time. And, and uh, if he lost 10, I reckon I've definitely gained 10. But that's why he gets paid what he gets paid and why I get paid what I get paid. We actually have a little group chat. And it used to be called Road to 100 kgs. Because Scotty Mack, he was not at 100, don't get me wrong, but he was near 90 and getting up there. Now it's been changed to Road, uh, road to 70 kgs. <laughs> So I sent the group a message the other day. I said, boys, how are we going after COVID? And Scotty was 80.5 and Fab's 81.5. So they both leaned off during that period. Lucky for some. Well, I'm uh, taking up the slack where, the, where <laughs> those guys are uh, doing the right thing. I'm doing the wrong thing. Now, uh, another piece of news from over the weekend was that Jamie Winkup finally got to cross over that 500 starts mark. He was going to do it at the Grand Prix. He got uh, yep. got taken out of that. But I guess the reason why I wanted to bring this up in the, the in our news section here is that not only has he racked up 500, but damn, he is still fast. He is he, still competitive. The GOAT. Greatest of all time. Seriously, he is... Like, Scotty Mack is obviously young and at the top of his game, but Jamie has been at the top of his game for so many years. Like, it's it's seriously incredible the amount of races, championships, Bathurst that that guy has won, and he's still... I wouldn't say he's as hungry as ever. Like, he doesn't come across like that, but he's still at the top of his game, and he's doing it in a way that almost looks effortless, you know? Like, he, he's very content where he is in his life, I guess, and he's still able to mix it with the absolute best, and... You know, he's got a really hard teammate in Shane Van Gisbergen, but nine times out of ten, he'll actually be ahead of Shane and outdo him. I mean, he got a pole position on the weekend up against the best qualifier in the business at the moment in Scotty Max. So awesome to see him, you know, really challenging for the championship. I think he's got a little sniff and he might want to try and spoil the party. Yeah, if Scotty uh, trips up at any time, Jamie's going to be there. And Jamie doesn't typically, just doesn't have... Uh, he doesn't have any bad rounds. Except for Bathurst a couple of times. Yeah, okay, <laughs> you're, you're right there. I heard um, Mark Scaife and Neil Crompton during the broadcast talking about Jamie's future and how, you know, he, there, there was a bit of chat pre-Clipsaw about how Jamie, you know, may have pulled stumps at the end of this year and he went and redid a, a new deal, yep. which was great. I'd, like, Jamie is young enough, hungry enough, competitive enough I think he could go for another 10 years. I don't know why we talk about him not competing mm. uh, moving moving forward. I'm not sure. I mean, I think this COVID period, and they, they mentioned it on the broadcast as well, 
it's maybe giving him a little bit more life. You know, some of these guys that were maybe thinking about retirement, it's almost like they've had a three-month holiday and a refresher and a time to reflect and think, hang on, I really do miss going car racing. I'm not sure whether I'm ready for this out of my life just yet. You know, Jamie's got other business things going on in the background and he's, he's a busy boy, but he still manages to perform even with all that going on in the background. So I'm not sure about 10 years, but definitely another five, I reckon, and then go into some sort of co-driver role like Craig Lowndes has now. Okay. Yep, cool. The other cool story was Nick Perkat, his first win in four years and BJR's first win in quite some time as well. We spoke to Nick earlier, as we'd, uh, as we'd said, but just great that a team that has been in the championship for so long and has seen some good times, it's also seen some really lean times as well, yeah. But to, to see some fresh faces up there was kind of just what we needed mm. coming out of this period. I think it was a, a fan favourite. Uh, Nick uh, would have got a lot of uh, love from fans to get, you know, getting that win. I think BJR's last win was Slady back in 2016, Winton. So it's a, it's a little bit of time between drinks, but yeah, I, I felt really excited for Nick. You know, he's, he has worked really hard during this break, and when we spoke to him, He's talked about all the training he's been doing, and it's not so much about doing the training. It's more so challenging himself to set some new goals and maybe uh, have a few tough sessions to really keep that fight inside going that, you know, when things aren't quite going right, you can dig a little bit deeper, and, and that's what he wanted to try and maintain during the, the COVID time rather than just sort of sitting back, relaxing, and, you know, maybe taking the easier approach. He's pushed really hard. He's come back stronger. He looks focused. And, you know, great opportunity for him on the weekend to get a result, and he absolutely grabbed it with both hands. Yep, he definitely did, and full congratulations to him. It was uh, thoroughly deserved. Now, uh, another piece of news is we had some TCR cars uh, buzzing around. Yep. But they were buzzing around on the computers still. (laughs) We still haven't got this real racing thing uh, sorted yet, but the launch of the TCR Australia Sim Racing Series kicked off at Albert Park, you were yep. part of it. Yep. Only 13 cars in the field, which was a little disappointing. But the good thing was that they all stayed together pretty close <laughs> and had some really good racing. Uh, you even managed to jag a top five result in there as well. <laughs> what did you think of the, the start of this new series? Oh, look, it was a little bit light on for competitors. But, you know, to be honest, I can see why. We're, we're close to going racing again. Everyone wants to focus on that. But the racing was really good. I think the the platform that they use uh, in this championship, the Assetto Corsa, is a little bit more forgiving. So for novices like myself on online racing, you can be somewhat competitive. And if you do make a little mistake, it doesn't just send you off into the fence and destroy your car and then you're in pit lane for three minutes getting repaired. So there's actually quite a bit of bump and grind. And there was a fair bit of bump and grind during the race, but it was more in the mid-pack. And the second race, which I didn't even know, so you, you see how much of reading I do before the race, but it was actually reverse grid. So we got in the grid, and I'm like, hang on, what's going on? My teammate Johnny Martin's behind me. What's happened? <laughs> uh, so that was a reverse grid. So the fast guy's coming through the field, and uh, it made for really good racing in that second race. And in, in uh, that mid-pack, it was quite fierce. So I actually come together with me, mate, uh, Johnny Martin, at one stage there, by accident, of course. It was actually the three Hondas all coming together, <laughs> yourself, Zach Suter, and Johnny Martin, all on the same. There's only three Hondas in the race, and somehow all three of you were on yes. the same piece of road all at exactly the same time. Yeah, I mean, I had I did have a coming together with Zach as well, but 
the thing with the game is you can actually shortcut quite a bit in the in the actual race in qualifying you get penalized for shortcutting the circuit but in the race it's quite open you can just sort of like cut the corner if you make contact with someone and regain the position and some people were taking the piss with it a little bit and I got a little bit frustrated with young Zach and I, <laughs> I sent him off the road. So you dished out your own penalty? Yeah, I sent him off the road because uh, I'd made a clean move on him and I tried to give him room and he's like, nah, I'm just going to cut the track here and get back in front of you. And I'm like, nah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually enjoyed it, you know, like we had a we had a fifth and a seventh in the race and while we didn't get on the podium, but it, it was actually enjoyable because we're having a crack, having some passes. It wasn't like we're in the pits fixing the car every five minutes. So Bathurst this week, though. Yeah, not many places to cut corners at that joint. That's exactly right, which is fantastic. So got to do a bit of practice. I'm actually going to miss the race, though. Oh. Yeah. Bad news. Bad news. I've got to... Is someone going to drive the number 50? Well, we're working on that at the moment. Yeah, secret plans. Great. Uh, Wally is actually trying to organise a special guest for my car. Great. Uh, for Thursday. But uh, we've got a real-life test day this Thursday at Sydney Motorsport Park. So I don't want to miss out on the real stuff just to do the, the online stuff. So yeah. unfortunately, I'll be in Sydney. No, that's all right. We'll figure it out. And uh, I feel that there's going to be quite a few more entries into this uh, second one. So stay tuned to the TCR Australia social media pages and website for... Uh, details on some new extra entries for this week's racing. I just have to quickly, though, thank my good mate, Matty Kidd, for helping me with the Assetto Corsa uh, program because it's actually quite tricky. And he set everything up for me, did all the downloads, upgrades, and it, it was a fair bit more involved than iRacing. And without him doing it, I would have been absolutely lost. So... Uh, thank you, Matty. And he's he's been a big part of my career in the early stages. He mm. actually used to work for our race team yep. as one of my lead mechanics and for many, many years. So it's great to uh, still stay in touch. And he's got the racing bug. He's got a massive, like, awesome simulator set up and knows the ins and outs of it and was teaching me quite a few things. So, yeah, I think uh, Matty's going to be my right-hand man for this championship. Perfect. There you go. You got yourself a spotter. I like it. Um, okay. And the final piece of news is that while we are talking about some online racing, there was a couple of TCR cars out on track this week. I saw Brad Shields oh. has been doing bulk laps in the Hyundai. We spoke to him a couple of weeks ago um, when it first got announced that he was going to do it. At that stage, he only had one test but since then he's been to wakefield park at least once and he's been back to sydney motorsport park as well so they're making sure that that tilton race in hyundai is going to be absolutely ship shape for the opening round so i've been keeping a little eye on it because i follow their facebook page they have done at least four days at wakefield Two days at Sydney Motorsport Park. Jeez. The car is literally going to need a rebuild. The engine's <laughs> going to be up on Ks before we get to the first round. Maybe that's their plan. Maybe they just want to do as many laps as they can, refresh it before the first round, and then away they go. So, And every time I see the pictures, there's like brand new tyres in the background on the racks. So... Some budget getting thrown around there. They're having a dip. It's yep, good to see. Dip, big dip. That I'm is, just jealous. That is good to see, yeah. And uh, we also had Tim Slade and Ben Grice do their first test in a TCR car. They drove the Ash Seawood Motorsport Alpha around Winton. They went there on Thursday 
it uh, did what rained. Winton usually does in June and rain all day, but then they had a much better run of it uh, on the Friday. And I grabbed Timmy Slade just for a quick chat. Tim Slade, you got your first test of a TCR car at Winton Motor Raceway. It had to come across two days because of Winton's foul weather. What's your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, yeah. unfortunately, um, the first day was, was wet all day, but we still managed to get out for um, a dozen laps or so. So, yeah, it was good to sample the car in those conditions. And, you know, the wet tyre was, was really good. So it was quite fun in the wet. And then um, the next day... Benny and I got yeah a couple of sessions each, so yeah it was it was awesome. You know it's it had similar traits to what I expected it would compared to my Hyundai XL front wheel drive experience in in Dad's little race car. But yeah, it's obviously just a much more refined car. Yeah, um, you know it was uh, was good fun and it's nice to um, to have you know a new challenge, something new to to get your head around and um, yeah look forward to. Hopefully doing some some more laps to uh, to work it all out a, a bit more. Yeah, some more laps, I guess. Uh, as the media manager for TCR Australia, it'd be great to have you come and do those laps in a racing situation. Has that conversation between yourself and Ash happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that's, you know, what, what would sort of both like to happen. Yeah, I guess we're sort of working on, on a bit of stuff behind the scenes. So, um yeah, I mean, it'd be awesome to to front up at the first round at City Motorsport Park. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll wait and see. So that's what Tim Slade thought of his first run in a TCR car. And maybe, fingers crossed, hopefully we might see him compete in mm. a couple of rounds this year. How much do you think that would help him, uh, considering like that big focus mm. will be at that race around Bathurst in yeah. October? I mean, as, as a co-driver in supercars this year, it will be quite tricky. We're not going to get a lot, a lot of laps in a supercar prior to the Bathurst 1000. So that's going to be tricky. So any any miles he can do, whether it be TCIs, 5000, any category he can race, is going to be beneficial. It doesn't matter whether it's a VS supercar or anything like that. You don't really want to go to the biggest race of the year, driving with probably the championship leader at the time, and not have done a race for a long, long time. Tim, uh, as we mentioned when we spoke to him, he had GT races planned. There's quite a big schedule of racing for him during this year and and all that sort of shut down because of the COVID stuff and he can't travel. So he's looking at other opportunities and this has been sort of bubbling away in the background and the test day, I think, just sort of uh, has now put him in a position where, you know, Ash is really considering him for that seat this year. Great. Okay. Well, that's the news, and it's time to get into the show proper. Only took us 25 minutes to um, to get things going, but it was some nice things to talk about. There's lots to talk about. We're race cars, racing again. Race cars on the track, and one of those guys who was on track burning around Sydney Motorsport Park was Cameron Waters, the Monster Energy Ford Mustang driver, driving for Tickford Racing. He's certainly Tickford's leading guy, and we are going to speak to him right now. Tony, press the buttons. All righty. And our first guest on episode 15 of Parked Up, powered by Race Fuels, is Cameron Waters, the Monster Energy-supported Tickford Racing driver. Cam, thanks for joining us. 
Yeah, g'day. Thanks for having me, man. Not a problem. Mate, we're back racing. No more simulations, real world stuff. And you did pretty good. Not a not a bad effort, but no podium results. What what did you think of your Sydney Motorsport Park performance? Yeah, well, I guess first of all, it's just awesome to be back into a real race car. The series is good for probably five weeks. And then, um, yeah, I just wanted to get back into the real thing. But, yeah, absolutely awesome to be back at SMP, um, back in the supercar. And overall, it wasn't a bad weekend for us. Um, obviously, the tyre allocation really mixed things up. And we kind of saved everything till the last race. And we had pretty good results on bad tyres. And then, um, yeah, last race come and, and got a bit of damage um, which kind of brought most of that good work through the weekend undone, which is a bit of a shame. But, um, yeah, two, a 2.6 two and, a, and a 13th with damage wasn't too bad. Uh, still fourth in the points, and the car was relatively speedy all weekend as well. Yeah, you were right right in the mix. Now, before we talk about the uh, the, the racing and, and all those bits, I'm sure Tony D's got uh, plenty of questions in that regard, but what was the vibe like? at the circuit no no fans minimal crew a lot of changes to what you're typically used to at a supercars event what what was the feeling like um i guess on on the friday it was a little bit different you obviously getting used to what what was um all the changes and everything and but by the time we got into kind of saturday sunday and, and the racing the days actually went so fast because the sessions were back to back um and jam packed so You'd get out of the car, have 10, you know, 15 minutes debrief with the, with your engineer. You'd get a drink, something to eat, and you're pretty well putting your helmet back on. And it just made the day go so fast, and you couldn't really think about all the other stuff which was changed. You just um, you took it for what you had, and, and away you went. But um, when you're in the race car, you actually can't tell any difference. Um, but, yeah, obviously, the atmosphere around the back of the trucks and all that was so much different with, with no fans. But... Um, yeah, I guess it's it's just uh, great to be racing again, great for um, yeah, all our sponsors and stuff like that. And, and hopefully um, this COVID stuff can get under control a little bit and we can get the fans back as soon as we can. Cam, it's TD, mate. Uh, one question I do have, and you've already sort of touched on it, how back-to-back the sessions were. Uh, from a driver's point of view, how did you pull up from you know not driving a race car for three months and then basically spending two days uh, solid in the car? Yeah, it was um, definitely physical. So, obviously, you get race fit the more you drive. And we um, have been out of the car for so long, I think a few of us lacked that. So, by the time we got into the, the Saturday race, like I was a little bit sore in the legs at the end of that race and even in my neck. Um, and then, yeah, to back it up Sunday, it was, it was a little bit tough. But, yeah, like you said, just because the sessions are so jam-packed, you don't actually get that much time to rest and, um, you know, drink and hyd- hydrate and do all those things that you'd usually do. So there's a little bit of adapting going on, but, yeah, I didn't mind it. <laughs> I can imagine uh, with not much data for the engineers to look at, they'd probably be picking your brain quite a bit more. So there's not that a chance to go and just relax in the truck and maybe chill out as much as you would normally and the fact that there's no other support categories to pad out the day so it would have been like quite tiring considering you know you sort of not been sitting around waiting to go racing again but you're going from nothing to a huge amount of work in a really short space of time yeah 100 percent, and it's more work that you usually do at a you know a usual weekend so definitely a different way of going about it um myself personally i really liked how it was jam-packed mm. um it did 
obviously change the way you um, worked with your engineer and trying to get your car in the right spot for yourself. But um, yeah, for us, we kind of had a bit of philosophy um, that we started the weekend with and we wanted to try and learn a couple of things. So we stuck with that and, um, yeah, learn a few things as well. So I guess from our point of view, we didn't change a massive amount, um, you know, with all the data rules and stuff like that. A lot of it kind of comes off a bit of my feedback anyway. So, um, yeah, we just worked through our plan. But the big thing was if the car wasn't in the window, you didn't have much time to change it between sessions. So, you you know, you'd want to do one change, but you're like, I don't have enough time to do that. So you had to pick, you know, plan B or something else. So, um that was probably the biggest thing from the weekend, just not having the time to do the exact changes that you wanted to do. Yeah, and quite a challenge for the four drivers in particular. I mean, the Mustang never been to Sydney Motorsport Park, so you don't even have that sort of data to to go off previous events and throw into the mix, you know, a new damper that everybody debuted at um, the Adelaide 500. So there's a lot of changes and not a lot of information to sort of go off and, and then no data as well. So for guys like yourself that have been in the category for quite a few years, you you already, you know, you already know what you need from the car. But what I felt was uh, the guys that are new to it, there was quite a big spread between the front and the back of the grid and probably more so than what we've seen in the past. Yeah, 100%. I think that's just from, you know, the back-to-back sessions, you don't have the time to reflect on what you truly learnt um, as a driver and getting the car to where you need from setup point of view either. So I guess going to, well, for myself, going to SMP is probably one of the toughest tracks where you actually go to as a driver because the track changes, um, obviously, with the degradation so much. Wind direction changes it a massive amount and, and you've got to shift the way you drive the car. So as a as a rookie trying to find your feet in um, two half-hour sessions, it makes it bloody difficult for them. But... Um, yeah, it kind of is what it is. I guess these kind of um, those races are all what makes you better as a race car driver. You go there, you learn, and and you improve. So um, yeah, they're probably feeling like they stepped in to yeah, a ring of fire, but yeah. they probably come out of it and and probably um, learn a lot more out of it. I tell you what, you guys didn't muck around. The first practice session, everyone was straight into it. You know, like on the pace very quickly. It was like you actually hadn't been out of the car that much recently. Did you feel rusty at all to begin with? Uh, not really, surprisingly. I thought it was going to be a lot more challenging than what it was. And everyone did a really good job, even in, in the races, giving each other enough room. And um, they're racing really hard together, but, you know, fair, which I thought a few of us might have been making a few more mistakes and run into each other. So um, I don't know why that was, to be honest, but, um, yeah, it was good. Yeah, and no, we saw... The first race and maybe the second race, not not a lot of contact. But the third, by the third race, everyone was was really into it, and it kind of cost you a little bit as well with that contact with with Dave Reynolds there. That ultimately really cost you uh, a podium. You were probably on course for you know to collect the same result that Lee Holdsworth eventually collected. Great result for Lee. Great result for the team. But a bit of a shame for yourself that your weekend's hard work was uh, kind of put to naught um, with that contact. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, the, the tire, tire allocation was pretty tough and everyone had to kind of work out when they wanted to spend them and did a pretty good job trying to um, yeah stick it out and not use too many early in the weekend. So we had some bullets to fire late in the, in the weekend and, um, yeah, obviously the contact with Dave bent my car a bit which kind of um, 
meant I didn't have um, a yeah, fast car to use on those tyres that I had left over. So it was a shame because obviously Lee was quite fast um, and got on the podium, which was awesome for, for Tickford and for him. But it would have been nice for to have the two cars up there together um, and maximise all the hard work that we've done through the weekend. The tyre regulations definitely mixed it up. What were your thoughts on that and how do you think it's going to pan out at the next event at Winton in a couple of weeks? Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. So um, it definitely spiced it up and got different cars up there at different times and, and whatnot. I think it's still, you know, the good guys, the good cars will still always be up there across the three races in some capacity, but it does allow some of the other guys at the back to save tyres and, and have a crack for a race. But, um, yeah, looking to Winton, I think it'll be a little bit different with the tyre tire with the hard and the soft. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the teams tackle that as well. I haven't really looked too farly into that yet, but um, yeah, it'll be interesting. A new component for yourself and for Tickford Racing at Sydney Motorsport Park was the introduction of James Courtney into your into your team, replacing Will Davo. From your point of view, how do you felt that he went on his first weekend with the team? Um, yeah, JC fitted in really well with the team. Um, obviously, hadn't sat in the car or done really a seat fitting until he got to SMP, which you know that makes it a bit harder in itself. Learning all the new guys, and then not just that, but how to extract speed out of a Tickford car is um, a little bit different to others, apparently. So. He, um, yeah, he did a good job to, to get up to speed and um, yeah, kept the car straight and, and fitted in really well. So, yeah, I think once he gets a few races under his belt and he understands the car a little bit better, I think he'll um, yeah, he'll be really fast and up the front with us. Now, we've seen you guys doing a lot of racing online in the E-Series, Supercar E-Series. Have you sold your sim yet or are you still going to do some online racing? Um, I'm... Yeah, toying it up if I sell it or not. I've got someone half interested. So, um, the SimWorks guys won't be happy with that. Oh, look, I might buy another one off them later. So um, <laughs> we'll see. If I can get a good price for it, I'll probably sell it. But um, yeah, I just need a bit of a break. We went flat out on it for um, you know the 10 weeks and um, yeah, it burnt me out. But yeah, it is something that I did enjoy doing um, even before the, the E-Series racing. So I'll probably have a sim in some capacity. I just don't know yeah, if I'll keep it or if I'll get another one down the track or what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think you went pretty good considering you probably haven't spent a huge amount of time on the sim like some of the others. And you, you do have to sort of live on them to try and get a lap time and, and actually be competitive in that world. One question that I do have to finish up my part of it anyway, because Grant loves to chat on uh but <laughs> before we let you go i just want to know what rear springs you're running on the weekend um just the biggest ones you can find man <laughs> just went to king springs and i said just give me the big ones <laughs> good <laughs> answer what, it did work <laughs> good answer there was there anything in particular from a setup point of view on the weekend you were chasing yeah there was i think for us well not for us, but I think the whole category was all about front grip, but finding the front grip without disconnecting the rear. So, um, yeah, I guess our philosophies didn't work as good as we thought they would have earlier on in practice, and we had to pick a different path, and we kind of pulled it off by the top 10 shootout. But, um, yeah, it was definitely back to the drawing drawing boards, I guess, after practice um, to see which where we had to go to, to maximise it. 
Well, cool. We, uh, we, we loved uh, watching the cars back. We uh, really enjoyed seeing your progress over, over the weekend as well. It, uh, she was looking a bit skaty there in quali, but that, uh, that top, 10, uh, top 15 shootout lap certainly showed that, that you'd lost none of your speed over, over the break. And um, yeah, just good to be uh, back racing real cars. So Cam Waters, thank you so much for joining us on Parked Up. And yeah, it's only a couple of weeks until we get to see you burning around uh, that fabulous Winton Motor Raceway. Yeah, thanks for having me and um, yeah, bring on Winton. Cool, mate. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. So great to hear from Cam Waters there. Nice to talk to someone who was at the venue. They didn't let us go in. That wasn't no. very fair, was it? No, they wouldn't let us go. Interesting, though, you know, he didn't really notice there wasn't fans there because he was so busy in a race car or heading his uh, books trying to debrief with his engineer trying to make it better. So... Yeah, it sounds like it was quite a tough weekend physically for the drivers, which I'm not surprised because, you know, those boys have been training, but nothing in a race car. So that sort of match fitness would be quite low. And I saw Cam actually a couple of days ago. He did a little thing for Ford at Sandown, which I was a part of, and he's quite a solid unit. Oh, Cam, he does he's a lot of training. Up. Yeah, I don't know if he's bulked up, but he's certainly a, a muscly bugger. So uh, if he was feeling it, I'm sure there's a lot of drivers out there that were feeling it even worse. Yeah. And uh, actually, the one thing that we didn't ask about was the trip home. They all drove back last night. I don't mm. think they they didn't get back to Melbourne until about 1 a.m. Monday morning. Yep. And then by the time he would have driven back to his house, probably would have been about 2 a.m. Mm. So just makes for just a, a typical huge, Sunday night for him. Huge, big, huge day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool. So that was Cam Waters, mm-hmm. and we thank him for his time on the Parked Up podcast, powered by the Race Fuels. And now we're going to go and talk to Gregory of the Rusts. Greg Rust, a great uh, commentator, long-time uh, motorsport journalist mm-hmm. and, and caller. and Just uh, an all-round good bloke, though. Yes, absolutely one of the best. We I love know, having him around. I don't know if I've ever seen him upset. Have you ever seen him upset? No, I haven't. I haven't. But uh, he's always laughing and, and yeah. in, in, a, in a good mood. So, uh, no, I haven't seen him upset. Let's not upset him in this No, interview. no, no. We won't. We won't. We won't hit him with too many hard questions. But, like, actually, I have I've, – you've, I've seen him um, very passionate, wildly passionate about uh, certain things. But, uh, you know, always one to look on the bright side. So, if we're feeling a bit down in the dumps about not How going to we? racetracks, then uh, he is the man to – to liven us up yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing him at the first round of tcr at sydney motorsport park in i think six or seven weeks or so so it'd be great to see his smiling face and uh it'll mean that we're back racing again anyway but uh yeah it'd be good to catch up with him and see what he's been up to well he's in new zealand uh tony hit those uh international dial tones and uh let's go for this or am i And it's great to welcome our good friend Greg Rust onto the Parked Up podcast. Greg, thanks for joining us. Great, TD. Nice to chat to you both. Mate, this has been a long time coming. I've tried to uh, get in contact with you a couple of times, but I keep messaging your Australian number. But, of course, you're living in New Zealand at the moment. How's things going on that side of the world? I'm heartbroken, mate. I've been hearing lots of uh, very good friends and colleagues come on. and I was wondering if I'd been brushed or are we podcast rivals where where did i fit in the framework <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh it's um it's, it's great to come on and, and chat to you guys yes we got out of australia on the sunday when the australian grand prix was meant to be 
stage. Um, I, I live on the east coast of the North Island uh, now and have done since the end of 2017. So um, my wife's a Kiwi. Um, I live not all that far from Greg Murphy, actually. We can, um, as the crow flies, we can kind of see sort of each other's places. So, um, so yeah, I, I got out on that Sunday. I've been here um, ever since. I'm really keen for some racing to start. We're a little bit lucky here that um, the country's done an, an amazing job in a different way to Australia, um, but they've arrived at a, a very, very good result in terms of low cases and and things like that. And, you know, just last weekend, for example, I was at a, at a club karting meet just up the road and it, it's kind of conditioned normal. So it was really good to go to a, a motor racing event. Um, I didn't have to wear uh, a, a face mask. You can choose to if you want you want to, but we're at what's called level one. So there's a real degree of of sort of normal stuff. Is, is an awareness, very much an awareness, but it's, a, it's back almost to normal, so to speak. Is there any active cases in New Zealand at the moment of the COVIDs? We've had a couple that have come in, people that have been returning um, to the country. There's a little bit of um, angst about uh, one uh, a week or so ago where they were, um, I think, headed to a, a funeral or something family orientated and um, there was worry about them being in the community, but by and large, they've been very good here at, at ensuring people isolate, um, you know, keeping them in the hotels and things like that. Um, and when we were in the lockdown period, everyone observed the rules. Everyone was pretty good, so we, we got through it. And as I say, it's um, certainly where I am. I'm, I'm a little bit in, you know, more or less now like um, Hunter Valley or, or Yarra Valley by the sea almost. That's the best description I could give you a parallel. Um, and it's a bit of a rural existence, so we're fortunate in that regard. It's not a big city and, and um, you know, all the, the complications that can come with that from a, a potential transmission point of view. So no, we're lucky here and we've got a, a you know, a, a nice lifestyle, but but also it, it's meant that you're, you're not as potentially as exposed, but the country's in great shape. Rusty, it's TD, mate. Great to have you on our little podcast. Now, we're new to <laughs> doing podcasts, and we very much just ring our mates and have a bit of a, a chin wag. But I'm an avid listener of your podcast, and I'm, I'm probably a couple of episodes behind, actually, because I'm just listening to you interview Scott McLaughlin. And one thing that sort Fantastic. of... Uh, sort of blows me away a little bit is the amount of research that you do on each person that you interview. So you're not just asking them generic questions of how to start car racing. You actually might ring, you know, their sister or their mom or their dad to get a bit of a background on, on their life and how their career has gone before you actually do the interview. How much work do you put into all that sort of stuff? Like you, I turn up with absolutely perfect hair. That's the most important thing. Um, <laughs> But uh, a lot. And for me, uh, Tony, it's, it's as much about the human stories as it is the, uh, the history, the competition, but especially the cars or the motorbikes as well. So they're, they're the key things, personality and the machines. And those machines are the ones that have had a big impact on our lives. So it's, it's first cars, it's successful race cars, those that you might have um, uh, bent or broken or written off. Um, and, you know, those that you've got a kind of a, a special attachment to and you, you sort of interweave it with a few things. I mean, the one about Scott that you were listening to, um, Sammy McLaughlin, who mm. worked with us for uh, a, a time there at Supercar, she was excellent. We know each other, you know, very well, and she let me in on a few stories about the pair of them damaging a car at a home. I love that one. When, you know, their parents were looking. I mean, it was terrific. <laughs> so, 
and then they were the pair of them as little tackers were pointing the finger at each other more or less, you know. So um, I loved like it how uh, uh, Big Wayno though he slammed the door that hard that he popped the dent back out. <laughs> 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 exactly, exactly. I can so, just I mean, imagine that. Scott, yeah, as you've seen on Scott's social media at the weekend, yes. and his reaction to, to the win at City Motorsport Park kind of says it all. He, he's got a lot of passion, doesn't he? He has got a lot of passion, uh, maybe a little bit of a temper there as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> can you give us a little bit of insight in who's next or who is the holy grail of uh, people that you've interviewed? Uh, can you sort of select one in particular or is it yet to come? There... Some of them have surprised TV. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes it's been engineers like Sam Michael that have given you a great insight on what it was like to work with, you know, people like Ron Dennis at McLaren. Marcus Ambrose really opened up a lot. Uh, he and I have known each other a long time. I, I wouldn't, it would be wrong for me to say that we're mates, but I, I think we've always had a um, mutual respect for each other's yeah. roles or, or careers and, um, you know, for, 15 odd years we've, we've regularly done media orientated things together and um, so you develop a rapport in those those moments and he opened up unbelievably about his career so that was a bit of a, a special one I love the funny yarns I mean what you hear that, that people have often talked about the Mark Larkin one I mean we, mm-hmm. we literally jumped in a um, one of his I think he's got a Polaris we jumped in one of the, the Polaris and we had a, a six-pack we drove out into the bush and uh, sat down on, on a log and just just sat and chatted and had all these funny yarns come up from his career. And, you know, on, on paper, you could look at his race career and think, well, you know, it's not like a Mark Scaife or it's not yeah. like a, a, a Scott McLaughlin or anything like that in terms of achievements. There are definitely some very good achievements in there. But he's such a great storyteller and he's yes. got some fantastic behind-the-scenes yarns and people love those. So the COVID situation, Greg, has provided us all with a, a range of challenges but I'd imagine even even more so in that podcasting in the podcasting world just before you left to go back to New Zealand at the Grand Prix I'd have helped you arrange the chat with with Rubens Barrichello now doing doing it face to face I would imagine is the preference but just because you can't be face to face doesn't mean that these things you know still can't happen no, that's right. And, and you know, they've, everyone says, Grant, in situations like this, that you innovate, you need to, and that's been a good thing. So work hasn't come to a complete standstill because of what's happened, and it's it's been great to try new ways of doing it. And there are ways that we've uh, come to grips with in doing the podcast that I'll use in the future. So I've been able to get to Adario Franchitti. The current one is with John Cleland. I mean, these guys were, you know, they had a bit more time available. Um, the technology we used for it enabled us to, to chat with them. I do like the face-to-face. You're absolutely right because you react to the body language. You react to the discussion when you're listening to what they're saying. And you can still do that when Zoom is at the heart of it. But it's it does feel a little bit like you're not quite there. But but if you do enough research and you can get going on various topics and, and things like that, it, it, um, it still gets a good result. And it certainly has with those guys, absolutely. So as much as we like hearing you, um, seeing you is going to be even better. And we're not too far away, <laughs> six weeks, I believe, from Sydney Motorsport Park getting underway. Of course, you'll be an uh, integral role in the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, which, of course, include TCR Australia, which you'll be uh, lead caller for, S5000, Touring Car Masters, all these great categories. 
just firstly and very simply, you must be looking forward to to getting back on the ground, getting back into the uh, into the real racing. Grant immensely. I mean, I'm, I loved working on TCR in the last year, and I've done um, the Shannon series for the past two, and I get a huge buzz from it. So it's um, it's got a great feeling in that paddock. I can't wait to go racing. Um, obviously, you know that that if the Trans Tasman bubble is not open by then, um, it may mean that I, I come and, and stay for a longer period, and I'm looking forward to that. You know. I'm an Aussie at heart. I live in, in New Zealand at the moment, but, um, you know, we want to uh, do the right thing with the authorities and get this, this thing happening, and I can't wait for Sydney Motorsport Park. It's going to be huge. Last year was obviously the first year that TCR come into Australia, and, you know, I was pleasantly surprised how competitive the championship was. It's obviously going to take a bit of a step up this year, not only from the drivers and teams having a bit of knowledge on the cars and and how, how to go racing uh, in that category. But also the TV is uh, going to be a lot better than last year. Were you surprised at the success and, I suppose, the excitement around TCR and especially S5000 when that rolled out at Sandown? Most definitely. Um, surprise is probably the, you know, maybe doesn't um, underscore it enough, TD. Uh, we knew it would be good. The reaction to it at Sandown was phenomenal. The way it, it tapped into or, um, you know, gave a tip of the hat to the history of, mm. of that style of racing from the 70s. Um, but, you know, to look again recently when Jack Perkins got to drive one of those cars at Phillip Island, how much he enjoyed it. And, and from the broadcast side, you said in your question there a moment ago, I mean, there's lots of innovations that they're working on this year. Obviously, a, a new network. It was what we were able to do with the tools that we had in the past year or so. The, the people behind the scenes in particular really... Uh, did a great job to deliver. They created something that, that on paper was, you know, you probably didn't think you'd kind of get that result, but they were the ones responsible for it. There's a very good commentary team there as well, but it'll go another level this year, and mm. I think that'll benefit um, all of the categories I- involved. So um, lots of nice nice things that, that will be very fitting for the classes and, and complemented in the right way around the edges, Tony. You'll be uh, working alongside Matt Nolte for the main call of the TCR Australia Series. For me, one of the uh, one of the best callers, the or most underrated callers that that we've got. Is that you agree with that? He's a great guy, and we had a lot of fun together over time. I, I have a big um, thing, Grant, about working with the next generation with youngsters. So I was very fortunate when I started out in my career that. Uh, the likes of John Smales, uh, Will Hagen, absolute legends of the game. You know, I would I would get uh, phone calls occasionally from Steve Raymond, and I got to know Mike Raymond, the late Mike Raymond, quite well too. And um, they had nice little bits of advice or you know things that would help you along the way. And I've been very conscious to not be that that older generation commentator. I'm, you know, I'm not even fifty yet, but you know, you don't want to you, you want to work with those youngsters, and and they've got some. The way they go about their calling, the way they go about their job, you know, Chad, you know, even Noons, who I worked with last year, Nancy in particular, they bring a freshness about it. So it's nice to work with those guys. And I think collectively, the offering in that sense will be, you know, will be really good for the viewer. And then you've got, you know, uh, Jack Perkins in Pit Lane, who's done a remarkable job with, you know, Network 10 in recent years from being on the desk with. How he's subbing to Daryl Beattie at times, doing MotoGP of all things, to working with them on Formula One, 
Um, and I think Molly Taylor will be a real, uh, not surprise, that's not the right word, but she's, she was my actual first podcast, guys. Mm-hmm. She actually helped me, um, you know, fashion up what is now Rusty's Garage. I actually did one record with her, which went over a couple of hours, and then she kindly let me come back and record the one for real. She was our first proper episode, and she's just a, a good human being, a very good communicator, and I think she'll be super in that role. Now, one last question for me anyway. Grant's probably got another whole uh, page full of questions. Uh, (laughs) Now, our little podcast is only 15 episodes in, and our numbers aren't too bad, but we do need some secrets. Tell us what uh, projected your podcast into the sky and gave you such a good following. You know what? I worked with Mark Howard at... Uh, at Channel 10 for many years, and he pioneered in many respects with what's called the Howie Games. It's yep. just turned 100 episodes old. It's it's a, a very good um, sports podcast, all sports podcast, that is globally recognised. And I saw uh, what he'd done, and I started working with some of the same people under that same framework, and we wanted to do something that was automotive-based, not just racing. It does have a racist skew because I love it, but, but automotive-based as well. Mm. And... Um, I think, really, TD, it was still there was still a freshness about podcasts at that stage. There wasn't a huge amount of in this region mm. uh, racing or, or uh, automotive based podcasts. And we pioneered. Um, people seem to like the, the formula, the format, and the way it's gone. We're, we're just about to click over three million downloads, so mm. we're really proud of it, mate. Really proud. That's incredible. Uh, but you're right. Very close to our numbers too, Tony. <laughs> you are right, though. There's a lot of podcasts to try and uh, listen to. And to be honest, I've been losing track a little bit because I haven't been doing as much traveling. Generally, I'd try and catch up with it on, on an airplane or a, a road trip to down to Phillip Island or Winston or whatever. Uh, but I haven't been doing as much driving or traveling. So I'm, I'm a little bit behind. So I spend a lot of my nights with my AirPods in just uh, listening to podcasts and trying to keep up with everything because uh, there's so many different uh, podcasts around. I mean, our fr- good friend Michael Caruso and, and Davey Reynolds, they got their podcast going really well. So it's a little bit flooded, I agree, but you sort of got in uh, in that early stage and have sort of built that following really early on. You, you'll enjoy, you know, the whole... I mean, when I first started, Tony, one of the things I worked for um, TGB Radio in, in Sydney and... You know, radio ratings are, are not quite, but it's it's almost like sort of, you know, a straw poll kind of thing. It was very uh, archaic the way they, they arrived at their numbers. I mean, the podcasts, you know, absolutely everything. And you'll be surprised in this COVID period, there's, there's a lot of thirst for um, this sort of stuff, for people that are missing their racing. Maybe that'll change now that we've had supercars at the weekend, obviously at Sydney Motorsport Park and things like that, and we're getting closer you know, the TCR and the, and the Shannon series and things like that. But there's still a huge demand for it at, at present. And I think we'll get a flow on from that because people can choose. They're, they're in the driver's seat with what they want, you know, whether it's Steph, your wife, and she's got, you know, something she's enjoying listening to or, you know, maybe Grant's into something football or soccer orientated that, that he listens to away from motorsport, things like that. There, there's honestly just about a podcast for any kind of subject matter, but you're the one who chooses when. And you can just pick it up and keep going whenever you know you get the chance to, to get back to if you're busy with kids, you can pick it up when you're in the car next. It's great. I love it. 
Yeah, on-demand content is the way of the future. Greg, before we let you go, uh, a tip from yourself uh, ahead of the opening round of the TCR Australia series. Don't worry that Tony's sitting right next to me. Um, we want your honest <laughs> opinion. Who, who's the one to look out for? Tony and I think you, Grant, both reflected in the chat earlier that, that everyone's had a year under their belt. They've learnt a lot of things. I think Will Brown is in you know, unbelievable form uh, off the back of what he achieved last year and he continues to grow as a driver. Hard to pick one person or one particular car as we sit here now, mainly because we've just had such a break from the, the little bit of action that we got to enjoy at Albert Park. So I, I'm probably not going to stick my, my neck on the chopping block, but I reckon we're in for what I will say is a very competitive year because of that knowledge under the belt, that you know that year's worth of work, everyone coming to grips with them. And having the international races to benchmark yourselves against, I mean, I'm sure Tony will, will agree, that would have been a, a huge uh, boost for the, for the learning with these new cars in 2019 for sure. It was. It's certainly when we had uh, Nestor come out, but he absolutely pants us. So uh, <laughs> uh, it certainly made us uh, look at what we were doing. And but it did confirm a lot of things. So you know, if we were thinking a particular thing about the car, you know, to either squash the idea or it gave us that confidence to go down that path. So to have some of those real gurus come out and world drivers was was awesome. But uh, there's so many drivers in this championship for this year that are going to be quick and and guys with uh, big resumes as well so um i'm i'm looking forward to it. i think it's going to be a tough fight and, and the racing was so close last year that it really sort of sharpened up my racecraft so uh that's what's uh that's, that's what's exciting about it and i think there's a lot of guys out there hungry to win and i think will brown will be one of those guys who's going to try and go back to back but there's plenty of us trying to knock him off that's definitely and you know it's not up to me to kind of oversell things here, but I don't think it needs to, boys, because it's got all the ingredients stuff, and it's got, you know, the variety of cars, the drivers with the, you know, the resumes you've just spoken about, and the the added boost of a, of a step up in the quality of the television broadcast as well. I, I do genuinely believe it's going to be a terrific year. Yeah, we can't wait for it. Uh, we saw the supercars on track, and it's just uh, increased everyone's thirst to to simply get back out there and get on with it. Greg Rust, we thank you so much for your time that you've given us for our Parked Up podcast. Um, for all the fans out there, of course, you can listen to Rusty's Garage through all of the regular channels. And Greg, I'm sure this isn't the last time we'll uh, we'll catch up with you on, on this one. I'm honoured to have come on, boys. And fittingly, I'm sitting in the car with it in park as I talk to you. So I am parked up for Very this good. podcast chat. Well done. And, and uh, D is for drive and R is not for race. I'm going to cross that note. So good on you, lads. See ya. Thanks, Rusty. Thank you, mate. Well, there you have it, mate. Caught up with our mate Greg Rust. He sounds like he's had a, a really sort of casual time over in New Zealand on his property. How's uh, living almost next door to Greg Murphy? That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. That is cool. I've seen them take photos from each of their houses, and I don't think you can see their house, but uh, it must be so close mm. that if you were very good throwing a rock, you'd be able to get into their backyard. Now, I'm just reading between the lines, and I did try and prompt Rusty to give us a few tips on how to get our podcast going, like real good, like thousands of listeners but he didn't really give us a lot. I reckon that means that oh, he's, he's a little bit intimidated. He's feeling the threat. I reckon. I reckon he, he really is. Like he, he knows he's we're in listening. the slipstream. Yes. 
We're in the slipstream and we're about to like just lean that engine off a little bit more to make the pass. Yep, perfect. Just about to get into the chase. And if he doesn't let us through... We're coming regardless. We'll just take him, take him off. See you later. Rusty's, ga- Rusty's garage in the, in the garage for, for some big repairs after it we... It will be parked up then. <laughs> Actually, um, parked up, I reckon, gets about... I got about 10 to 15 mentions yeah. during the Supercars broadcast. Yeah, I reckon you should go back and record every one of Scafie saying parked up or parked. Yeah. And put together like a little compilation. Yeah, okay. Well, let me see if I can dig some of those out. There was definitely a few in there. Mark Scaife was a big perpetrator. Oh, he's obviously a big fan. Oh, massive. Just can't get it out of his head. Brilliant. I liked how he actually featured on our Facebook site this week. Yes, Scaife did. Actually, if anyone out there does want to get a little bit more parked up, if this isn't enough for you, then go to facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast and you'll see a small video featuring Tony D from... (laughs) Uh, what was it, 2012 Supercars, where you'd um, blatantly taken out oh, poor old Shane Van Gisbergen. Come on. And I'd, uh, I'd then made... blew up on the radio, on live national TV, and said the F word. Come on, mate. I, I'd made the pass. He was being cheeky, trying to hang around the outside. And I thought, bugger it. I'm going to you... squeeze you into the fence. And, and then... what, what made it worse, though, right, is he hit the the medical car after he'd hit the fence. So he's trying ah, to get back yes. to the pits, right? And he's going on a straight line. And it literally, as soon as he drives past the medical car, the upright fails and he turns hard left into a Porsche medical car. Mm, squeezed it up so against then the they, wall. So then they had to do something about it, you know? It had and to be someone's fault. Yeah, and it was my fault, unfortunately. And I wasn't happy about it because, no. you know, like he, he could have just given up that spot and we would have raced on but I knew what he's like and he made it difficult. So I made it even more difficult for him. Finally, though. Yeah, and you made it very difficult for Mark Scaife, who had to apologise on your behalf on national television. Well, it's their fault anyway, because they were looking for a reaction. I gave it to them and then they threatened to fine me $25,000. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. For anyone who missed it, here's exactly what TD said. Adam Debore was talking to Dalberto there. Sorry about that reaction. So whose corner was it, Tony? <laughs> it's my corner. <laughs> SVG, though, he actually come up after the race and apologised for the whole thing. Oh. So, you know. Well, that was nice. Who, was a, who would have been the driver standard back then? It wouldn't have been Beardo. Maybe McConville or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm. Yeah, 2012, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm when not did sure. Bugs, when did he do it? Yeah, maybe Bugs. Anyway, I can't remember, but it was a bit borderline, put it that way, and it, it got me a little bit upset because we had a pretty good car there. You could see we were, we were up in the top 10, so that was a pretty good result for us. Okay, and it went begging, but um, for anyone that was looking at our Facebook page, you got to see it, and uh, if you haven't seen it, go see it. Now, if you were on our Facebook page, you would have seen that Tony has kindly had kindly donated a Ferrari jacket yes. as the prize for this week's um, Parked Up podcast uh, giveaway. Now, I actually got given this jacket uh, when I was a guest of Shell V-Power, not Ferrari, unfortunately, at the Australian Grand Prix a couple of years ago. And they invited us into the corporate area after the supercar race to watch the Formula One race. And part of it was to give us a jacket and a hat and a a few other little bits and pieces. And I haven't used the jacket whatsoever. So I thought, perfect one to get out of the closet 
and give it to somebody that will get some use out of it. Perfect. And uh, and so who would you like to uh, give it away to? We had well, uh, quite a few. The, r- the rules for this one, you had to share and comment and like and do whatever else you could to Look, the um, big problem is I'm a midget and it's extra small, I think. We were thinking about giving to a couple of different people, but then we actually stalked their Facebook and realised that they literally won't be able to get one arm in the jacket. So... But we did come not, up not with... Because, not because they're um, oversized in any way, because you are super midget. I'm super midget. So the winner I'm going to announce right now is Tony D'Alberto. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it might fit him beauty. perfect. It'll fit him perfect. But you didn't share it. I didn't you share didn't it. follow the rules. I did comment, though. Uh, no, let's give it to Paul Smythe, who was really simple with his uh, comment. I live in Tasmania. Perfect. Cool. We're going to Tasmania for TCR, so yep. hopefully Paul will come and support us down at uh, Simmons Plains or Baskerville. I'm sure he'll probably absolutely no need to wear a, a big Ferrari jacket during January down in um, <laughs> Tasmania because everyone will have arranged some really good weather for the TCRs and the S5000s when we come down there a little later in the year. So there you go. Paul Smythe from Tasmania is the proud owner of a new jacket. Congratulations. We'll be in touch with him and stick to the facebook.com forward slash parked up podcast page for even more giveaways later in the week well that's it grant there you go done episode 15 of parked up powered by race fuels race fuels we love race fuels they're the ones who make sure that you have the fuel at your at the racetrack anytime you go now whether that's whether you're in supercars whether you're in carrera cup whether you are in the improved productions vic state series whatever it is they've got you covered for your fuels at the track super convenient uh super friendly staff and um most of all convenient i already said that but convenient is uh it's just too easy it is too easy now before we go though what do we got on for next week? Is there any racing in between? When's Formula One? Formula One is next week. Next week we'll be able to talk about oh, some F1. Perfect. Yeah. So we'll, who, should we get like Kimmy on the phone? Well, I think we should just give, you know, Lewis. I don't know, Charles Leclerc a call or something like that, you know? Yeah. yeah well, we've got a Ferrari jacket. Yeah. Maybe. Part of the family. <laughs> okay. That's it. 15 is done until 16. Tony, bye for now. See you later.